All right. Um, this is it. This is the last week. We're doing a series called This Is Us. You knew this. Um, this is week eight. It's the last week. We're going to end it today. Um, this is us. So here's what this series has been about. We've been talking about things that make us as the gathering unique, right? These are things that, you ever heard the expression like, what hill would you die on? So these are things we would die on. So the last uh, seven weeks and then today, these are hills that we would die on. Probably most Christians would, but as a church, we definitely would. And, and a full disclosure, I could talk about this forever. We could do it like this could be an eternal series. This is us. Because I love to talk about identity. I love to talk about identity because that's the one thing that's under attack more than anything else in America. It's the identity of the church, the identity of Christians. So we could, like, for the rest of our lives, we could be like, come to church and go, we are, and then put another word in the blank. But today we are finished, right? We're, this is it. We are done. This is the last one um, for this series. Yeah, just for this series. Thank you for reminding me. Um, but here's what I know, too, is that when you talk about identity, it's so easy to look back over these seven weeks, of the, all the things that we've covered. It'd be so easy to immediately feel like you're failing. Have you, I, and don't, don't raise your hand, but just kind of nod on the inside. Have you felt that from time to time? Like we've made statements from Scripture about who we are, and every now and then, haven't you, haven't you kind of felt on the inside, ugh, I'm not sure if I'm really living up to that. And what I want you to know is that's normal, okay? That's actually from God. So God will point out places where we might not living, be living up to our identity, but he does it in a way that encourages us to live up to that standard, right? But we also have an enemy. Everybody say, ugh, right? We have an enemy, and the enemy loves to point out all the ways you fail. And he'll do it in such a way that will push your head down, right? So there's a reason why the Bible says that God is the lifter of our head, right? He says, look up at me. I got you. I'm, I'm pulling you to a higher standard. The enemy wants to push you to a lower standard, right? And you already know this is true. You've already experienced this. I can guarantee at some point in your walk with Jesus, you've had a friend or maybe a family member, but we'll stick with friend, a friend, a coworker who looked at you and said these words, and you call yourself a Christian. Right? Isn't that how the enemy works? And so, what, you know, what's funny is in that moment, they're right. You do call yourself a Christian. And, and I'm going to teach you, really, this has got nothing with the message. I'm just going to give you a little, a little tip, how to handle that, right? The next time somebody looks at you and says, and you call yourself a Christian, I want you to look at them and say, thank you. And they'll be like, what? Thank you for holding me accountable. Thank you for pointing out another area where God still needs to refine me. Because he is and he will. And they'll be like, uh, you're welcome? <laughs> right? They don't even know what to do with that, right? But the enemy uses people to push us down. And so I want to end today. Here's our last three words. I want you to hear this loudly. If you haven't already heard it through the worship, you're going to hear it through the message. I want you to no walk out of here knowing that we are overcomers. Okay? We are overcomers. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read to you... Uh, I wanted to go full-on preacher and read the entire chapter, right? But it's long, and it's, but it's so good. And I knew that if I started on verse 1, I would want to preach about every single verse. And so we'd be here, like the 11 o'clock service would walk in and be like, where are we supposed to sit? Because we wouldn't be done. So on your own time, man, read and meditate, marinate on Romans chapter 8. 
But we're just going to start in verse 31, okay? Here we go. Let's just read it. It's on the screen if you need it. What then shall we say in response to these things? Now, I don't have time to go into all of it, but if you just go back and read the first 30 verses of Romans 8, that's all the things, okay? All the things he talked about in the first 30 verses. He says, now, in response to that, what should we say? And here's what we should say. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Somebody say all. This side. We've got to work on this side. We're going to get there. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us right now, y'all. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. These are verses that are not read before altar calls. Right? Nobody reads those verses, right? They, they jump over those. Verse 37. This is going to be, by the way, the, the verse we hang out in the most. No, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, verse 37. Paul said this, in all these things. And all these, and those specific things are the verses we just read, right? All those things we don't talk about before the altar call. Trouble, persecution, hardship, famine, nakedness. In all these things, he said that we are overcomers. By the way, just a little side note. How does he know that? Because he overcame them. <laughs> like, I'm an overcomer. What have you overcome? Well, I hide every time I get scared. Then you're not living like an overcomer. He, he lived, go back and read Corinthians. He lived through all those things. He knows it from experience. He says we're more than conquerors. Um, the Greek word is hypernikomen. Did I say that right? Hypernikomen. The one, the one part of that word that really matters is Nike, which is where Nike got its name. Literally. Nike comes from this word, and it means to keep on being conquerors to a greater degree, to keep on winning a glorious victory, or to overwhelmingly conquer. Here's your first point. Victory is our destiny. It's our destiny. And listen, I love this. I'm a sports nut, so I like highlights on ESPN. And you know what highlights I love in football? I love it when they go at the end of the game. They say, now watch this. You won't believe this play. And they feel like a 60-yard Hail Mary and, like, somebody catches it, if you're a Green Bay fan or a Seattle fan, you're still arguing about who caught the one a couple years back. But somebody caught it, right? And they throw that thing down there, and it makes for such an exciting highlight, doesn't it? Or the last second shot, we're coming up on March Madness. There will be a March Madness this year. And I love it when, like, the underdog heaves it from the other free throw, and it goes through, and everybody goes crazy. Like, this year there won't be people mugging each other. But virtually they'll be like, you know, I love that. The problem is that doesn't describe the Christian life. We don't barely win. 
We don't need a Hail Mary. We overwhelmingly conquer, y'all. We're not going to squeak into heaven. I'm so glad that last prayer worked, right? (laughs) That's not the the normal Christian life, y'all. Victory is our destiny. We overwhelmingly conquer because we're more than conquerors. We are overcomers, and it's not because we're all that in a bag of chips, right? It's because of Jesus. What did Paul say? We are more than conquerors through him. Through him. Now, you probably don't need any more convincing, but just in case you do, here's four more verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. John writes, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 1 John 4, 4. Just one chapter earlier, he said, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, here I am, 20-year youth ministry vet. going to read to you from the New King James Version, y'all. I know, it's crazy. Some of you are like, wow, miracles happen. I love the way the New King James says it. Here's what it says. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Somebody say always. Always. Now, you didn't say that very convincingly, and the reason you didn't is because, well, you sat on the wrong side. No, I'm kidding. It's because we're not quite sure what to do with that word, are we? We're always being led in triumph, and yet if you're, if you're feeling that tension, you're just like the people that were reading the letter of Romans for the first time. They're like, wait, um, I'm sorry, Paul. You, you said that we're always being led in triumph. You wrote that to the Corinthian church, and now you're telling us that we're more than conquerors, that nothing can keep us from the love of God. But, like, I'm, I'm confused. How can, how can I always be overcoming if I'm not even currently overcoming? Can you relate to that struggle? You ever... Like, wake up and go, is this the Christian life? Like, he says I'm winning, but I'm pretty sure I'm losing. I can relate to that. So could Paul's readers. Now, Paul's response is up a few verses in Romans 8, 18. He says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What Paul's saying is what's happening currently cannot compare to what will happen eternally. Okay? So here's your second point. Victory is measured in eternity. We want to measure victory in moments. But God measures victory in eternity. So Paul said, yeah, like right now, we're, we got some suffering going on, y'all. I got a bunch of things, right? I've got a bunch of things that I just wrote to you about that I personally experienced and some of you are experiencing. And in the same chapter, I'm telling you that we're more than conquerors. And some of you are like, wait, what? But it's because we don't measure victory in the moment. We measure it in eternity. Victory is measured in eternity. Um, That's an eternal perspective. And if you grab that, it'll make you a victor and not a victim. Turn to the person next to you and say, do not be a victim. (laughs) Some of y'all are telling that to your spouse, right? (laughs) They're like, well, I married you. That's been a struggle. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You got great marriages. It's fantastic. Um, Let me show you, we won't stay there long, but Acts chapter 12, just jot down Acts 12. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Um, You've probably, if you've been in church much at all, have heard 
the greatest story that comes out of Acts chapter 12, and here's how it, how it played out. Peter, you know Peter? Peter, he was um, arrested, and he was thrown in jail, and the church got together and had a prayer meeting. I would like to think that if I get put in jail, a bunch of you would show up at prayer. I would like to think that, right? That might be, how, that might be the answer. That might be how we build the prayer ministry. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not volunteering, right? But I'm just saying, I love that when Peter got arrested, the church, they rallied around him. They started to pray. And you probably already know the end of the story. But as Peter's in jail, he got a visitor. He got a couple visitors. He got a bunch of visitors, and they didn't look like me or you. They were shiny, right? And, like, they showed up, and all their angelic power, they, like, blew the doors off the jail. Remember this story? And the Bible says that the angels, like, led him out of the prison into, like, back to where the other disciples were. And then they were, like, I think this is the same story where, like, the girl answers the door, and he's, like, it's me, Peter. And she's, like, what? And she runs away and it can't be Peter, right? Isn't that the story? Like, it just blows everybody's mind. Like, they prayed and got answered. You ever done that? You, like, start sharing the testimony, the praise report about how God came through, and then you find yourself being surprised. You're like, why am I surprised that God came through? That's what God does, right? But they were super surprised. That's the highlight. Have you heard that story before? You may not have heard the one verse low light in Acts chapter 12, so I'll read it to you. It's verse 2. He he is the same person that had Peter arrested. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Can we just let that sit there for a second? In the middle of a sermon about how we are overcomers, can we talk about how the, the church prayed for Peter to be delivered, and he was? I'm guessing the church probably also prayed for James to be delivered, and he was killed. I mean, do you feel that tension? Is it just me? We can see clearly that Peter was an overcomer. But what about James? I'm so glad you want to know. Because I have an answer. Ready? Before I answer that, we know James. I want to give you some more names. I'm going to read some names. Most of you are not going to know these names. Some of you may know these names. You ready? Here we go. Jordan Hicks. I hope I get these right. Chris Moragos. Jason Peters. Darren Sproles. Caleb Sturgis, Joe Walker, Carson Wentz. Recognize any of those names? All those men have one very important thing in common. Every one of those men won the Super Bowl without playing in it. They were all members of the Philadelphia Eagles team, the 2016-17 Eagles team that upset the Patriots. I want to say that again because I love that. They upset the New England Patriots the Hatriots, right? Ugh. They, they beat them, y'all. I mean, that's my Panthers fans coming through right now. I don't like the Patriots, right? So I, we'll just hang out here for a second. The Patriots lost the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl. Everybody say lost. Patriots. Yeah, right. I just want to hang out there for a second. We'll move on. I just love Tom Brady lost. It. Sorry. We got, we got to move on. I'm sorry. Um, so all of those men started the season playing in games for the Eagles. But at some point during the season, they got injured, and they got injured in such a way so badly or the team made a decision to put them on this thing called injured reserve. And when you get put on injured reserve, that means you can't play the rest of the season. So all of these people who played an important part on the Eagles team at the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, in the biggest game arguably of their career, couldn't play. Are you with me? 
Guess what they all got? They all got the ring. So victory is our destiny. Victory is measured in eternity, but I hope you get this last point. Victory is experienced in community. See, this is hard for us as Americans because we're individuals. But those men didn't play in the game, and they got a ring because they were on the winning team. So Romans 8.37, let me just read it to you again. Pay attention. Listen to it. It says this, no, in all these things, um, again, the things are trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, injured reserve, can't play in the Super Bowl. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Did you catch it? We. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We're not called necessarily to individual victory, but we're definitely called to corporate victory. We're called to body victory, community victory. Now, listen to this statement. I, I know it's true because we, just, we've, we see it in Scripture. You're not going to like it. Okay, I'm just going to read it, and then we'll pray and quickly get out before you kill me. When we really embrace this truth that victory is experienced in community, my casualty can turn into our victory. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't like it. But you should like it because you don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Say, I don't want to be a hypocrite. If you celebrate Memorial Day weekend, you have to embrace that truth. Because on Memorial Day weekend, what do we celebrate? Who do we honor? We honor people who laid down their life, their casualty individually, paved the way for our victory collectively. So I get it. I get why we don't like it. But we understand it's true. And it's true from Scripture, right? Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for his friends. So what happens is if, you, if your whole framework for your Christian faith is my faith, my personal private faith, then what's going to happen is when you start to hit hard times, you're going to lose. You're not going to remember that you're part of a winning team. This is why the enemy's strategy is always to separate. Always to pull apart. And, and listen, I, um, I deal with it too, y'all. There's plenty of days you just want to pull the blinds, right? <laughs> just I don't want to be around people. It's easier if you're not around people. Somebody say amen. Sometimes, I mean, people are great, but in small portions sometimes, right? And I get it. But you know what? If I get hurt or if you get hurt, and we listen to the lie of the enemy in our mind, then we will pull ourselves away from people and we'll lock our doors and we'll huddle up just me, because just me and Jesus, it's a lot easier. It is, it's just not biblical, but whatever. Me and Jesus. And, and you'll get in that place and you'll never experience victory. If we took any of those names that we read and could have interviewed them before the Super Bowl, 
And you know, and especially during the game, don't you know, like when Nick Foles caught that Philly special, I'm talking about these things as if I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not. I'm just not a Patriots fan. But when he caught that Philly special, which was – if you weren't watching the game, like they, they handed it to, the, I think, the running back, and he threw it back to the quarterback, blew everybody's mind. And Nick Foles, the second-string quarterback, caught that pass. It's possibly the most famous play in Super Bowl history. And, and Tom Brady lost. I love that. I won't say this so much in the live stream. I'm just, nobody knows I'm saying it. So don't tell people that I've talked about Tom Brady because he'll beat me up. But Carson Wentz is the one that should have caught that pass. And if he just had a me-only mentality, there's no way he could have celebrated seeing the person who was his backup make the greatest play in that game for sure and possibly in Super Bowl history. Where's your brain right now? Where's your mind? Where's your heart? Where's your vision? Whose victory matters more to you, yours or ours, right? And that's what this is all about. God knows that we don't have what we need to overcome without him. He's calling us into a body, into a kingdom that wins all the time. I just might not. And that's hard to wrap our brains around. Look back over this, over this whole series. Here's the things we've talked about. Um, <laughs> tell me if there's any topics that have caused you to fall short. We've talked about being holy, about being in family, about being generous, about being planted, messy, transformed. All of us are like, we're nailing messy, right? <laughs> we're nailing that one. That one we got, right? But all the other ones, aren't there times in there that you've just heard us, we've preached, we've taught, and you've been like, man, Romans 3.23 is so true. All of us have fallen short. And I just want you to know this. It's so easy to, to not feel like an overcomer. But it's, it's not what we feel. It's, it's who we are. So even in these three things we've talked about, God gives us power, he gives us perspective, and he gives us people. And that's how we overcome. He gives us power, he gives us perspective, and he gives us people. He's empowered us as followers of Christ with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit leads us to victory. It's our destiny, right? He gives us perspective, like, ooh, not a good season right now, but don't compare what's happening now with what I'm preparing forever. He gives us perspective, and then he gives us people. And I'm so thankful, aren't you, for people in your life that will come up next to you in a hard time and say, you've got this. You got this. I'm with you. I am with you. We're going to get through this together. We are overcomers. And what I want you to see, here's your big idea. We are overcomers because he, Jesus, has overcome. John 16, 33. Last verse. We'll pray. I've told you these things, Jesus said. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have peace. What? Winning lottery tickets. Yeah, I was hoping it would say that. We'll have trouble. But take heart because you can do it. Is that what it says? <laughs> no, it says take heart. I have overcome the world. Right? Jesus has overcome the world. And when we, when we walk near Jesus, we're walking with an overcomer. And when we walk with Jesus, with his body, we're walking with overcomers. 
whatever we might be facing, we are carried along by overcomers. And if he has overcome, we will overcome. So here's how let's, let's close the whole thing out like this. Um, close your eyes. Just, just think for a second about your life. I want you to think through, maybe, you, maybe you've been here for all these weeks, and one of those weeks has really stood out to you, and you're like, man, that's the one for sure. The enemy just keeps telling me over and over again, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. Maybe this is the first one. But I can guarantee you there are areas of your life where you don't feel like you're overcoming. Like I've just spent this whole 25 minutes talking to you about how we're overcomers, and the whole time you're like in your mind kind of going back and forth with me going, but if you only knew me, if you only knew me, you wouldn't say I'm an overcomer. And I want you to know this as we get ready to pray, that God does know you. He does know you, and he says you're an overcomer. We are overcomers. And I don't know what you need more of this morning. If you need more power or perspective or if you need more people in your life, community, I don't know what you need, but whatever it is, he wants to give it to you right now. And I'm just going to pray over you that he would pour into you what you need so you can stand up from this place and walk out without a doubt knowing that we are overcomers. Father, I pray over this body, God. I thank you for the, the faith that we can have, the confidence that we can have in who you are. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Church, I'm telling you, take courage this morning because Jesus has overcome. That, that thing that you don't have the power to, to handle, he's overcome that. That person who is driving you nuts, he can overcome that. He is an overcomer, and because he is, you are as well. And I just want you right now just to thank him for that. Thank you, Jesus, for overcoming the world, for doing the very thing that I could never have done. Thank you that right now in this place, we recognize that being on your team is what makes us overcomers. Being on the winning team. Some of us are killing it right now. And some of us are on injured reserve. But all of us are called to be overcomers because you overcame the world. And so I pray especially for those that are sitting here this morning that feel like they're on injured reserve. The enemy has whispered into their minds, you're not contributing anything to the victory. And I just speak to that lie. And I curse it in Jesus' name. That lie has no authority or place in our lives. Because you are the one who told us we are more than conquerors. Even when we go through hard times, we are more than conquerors. And I just speak, God, victory over this church. I speak it over the people that are sitting here this morning. Those that will listen online later. God, that we are in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And so we leave this morning choosing to focus on that, not all the things, but on the truth that we are overcomers because you have overcome. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.